Okay. Amen. Good morning, North Church. Hey, good to uh, be here gathered together in your living room. Hey, we are in a series called Scattered, reading through the book of Acts. And we're going to look today, uh, this morning, at a church that was in Jerusalem, that was getting comfortable, and yet God used some pretty tragic and traumatic events in order to cause them to go and do the thing that God had called them to do. We're going to look at that today. Maybe that's happened to you before where you've been in your comfort zone, you have been cozy, you've been in a rhythm, you've been in a routine in your life, maybe in your job, in some area. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere comes this tragedy or this event or this failure that hits your life. You know what, what did that for me? One of the things that got me to college was when my dad told me I was going to have to pay rent. I mean, that rocked my world, like pay rent, do more work around the house. And all of a sudden I felt this strange call to higher education. Maybe you felt that before where God uses events or difficulties in your life to get your attention and then to get you going, moving ahead into something new. I had a friend who worked for Procter and Gamble for years and uh, he never really loved it. I mean, he hated this corporate stiffness that was there. He hated uh, the fact that his pay would always get changed and the structure of how he got paid as a salesman was changing. And then one day he went into work and he was fired. I mean, the carpet was pulled right out from underneath him. His world was in disarray. I mean, he couldn't believe what happened. But this event launched him into starting his own business. And now today, I mean, he's making more money. He sets his own hours. He has this greater, more passionate vision for his future. And it's interesting to me how God will use some of our greatest failures to start new beginnings in our life. This happens all of the time. Even as a church, it happens. Uh, we were at, our, at the theater that we met in for nine years over at the Lions Theater. And one day I went into work, just a normal day. We were just in our rhythm, uh, doing kind of doing our, our ministry in a, in a place that was pretty comfortable. And I went into work and on the front door was this eviction notice. And it was that notice that kind of kicked us in the backside. And it caused us then to have to get on our knees and begin to pray. And then we knew we were gonna have to raise like over a million dollars right after this global recession. And then uh, to begin to search and, and look for a new property. And we ended up at the property that we're at today. And it was even more than moving locations. It was something that God was doing in the heart of the church where he moved us into a greater place in the mission he's called us to. I can't help but wonder if God isn't doing something right now, shaking things up in our lives, using this pandemic, using the other events that have happened recently, using these things in our society right now to get the attention of his church, to bring us in this place where maybe we were comfortable and things were routine and we had our rituals down and we, we kind, of, kind of were in a rut maybe. And now there's something new happening. And yeah, it's uncomfortable and it's disorienting and there's anxiety and yes, there's stress behind it. But God is doing something. I'm convinced of it. And he's wanting to help us 
to grow and he's wanting to help us go. When we started, uh, we started in Acts chapter 1. And you remember in Acts chapter 1, Jesus himself told those early disciples to stay in Jerusalem until they received power from on high, power from the Holy Spirit. And then he said, once you receive the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to go from Jerusalem to all of Judea, into Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the world. And, uh, and so the power of the Holy Spirit did come. And the power of God's Spirit filled them and empowered them. And yet they stayed in Jerusalem. They didn't go into Judea and into Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. I mean, they were praying, singing songs, baptizing, doing Bible studies, eating in potlucks, fellowshipping together. But the problem is, is that the gospel message was staying in Jerusalem. They were staying in their comfort zones of the familiar city of Jerusalem. And God had told them to go, go into all the world, to bridge into people groups that were outside of their comfort zones. And they did what most of us would do and have done, and that is to just stay put, to stay in the safe and in the predictable. And yet God is kicking us out of our comfort zones and we are being scattered like seeds throughout the city and throughout the world in order to grow a whole new harvest. You remember last week, Pastor Olivia spoke powerfully on Acts 7, which was the story of Stephen and his death. I mean, it was a murder. It was an unjust setup, similar to what happened to Jesus. The senseless murder, not by one person, but by an angry mob. And Stephen in his last dying breath, like Jesus said, Father, forgive them. And Saul, you remember Saul, he stood by in all of his self-righteousness and he approved of what was happening. And so we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. If you have a Bible, uh, open it up. If you're watching online, just click up at the top uh, for the Bible tab. And here's what it says. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Notice the word scattered. I mean, we gather to scatter. And God doesn't want us to just cloister up in our holy huddles, but he is wanting us to scatter throughout the whole earth to share this gospel message. And sure, yeah, it's important that we gather. We gather to meet, to be taught, to be inspired through the worship of our God together, to pray, to baptize, to receive communion. I mean, there's some super important things that we do when we gather together, but it's to refuel us for the mission he's called us to. That mission is to go and to make disciples in the places that we work and where we go to school and where we play. God's heart has never been just for one city or for one people group or one race. The gospel is for all people of every tribe and every tongue, every city and every nation. So after this persecution that broke out in Jerusalem, they scattered into the places that God said that they needed to go. Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So verse two tells us, devout men 
buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. I mean, Stephen's execution made Saul angry. Something violent rose up within his own heart to stamp out this Christian movement. Verse four says, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip, this is another one of the deacons, went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Verse six, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. This passage gives us this pattern of reaching our city. Maybe you can jot this down. Evangelism is a group of ordinary Christians living intentionally in a city to bring joy to it through word and deed. Ordinary Christians, Philip, an ordinary guy, like Stephen. He was called out of just a group of, of normal men in order to help run the food bank in Jerusalem. And his buddy, his fellow laborer, Stephen, was killed. And so now he says yes to Jesus, yes to God, and he goes. And he's willing to go to Samaria. See, God will often use difficult circumstances in order to kick us out of our comfort zones. Luke, the author of Acts, makes the point that the first time the gospel left Jerusalem, the apostles stayed. It was ordinary Christians who left and carried the gospel to other towns. Verse 1 says, except the apostles. Now, we don't know exactly why they stayed in Jerusalem, other than the fact that the emphasis isn't on them any longer. The emphasis now is on all of the ordinary Christ followers like you and me. And it says that they expanded, they left Jerusalem, they scattered, and they went out into places like Samaria. The church primarily grows not by the people who carry positions or titles like pastor a prophet or an apostle, but every believer who is filled with the Holy Spirit carries the gospel into the streets. Sometimes God takes you into places uh, through a divine call. Maybe it's a vocation that you feel called to, or it's a place or a city that you feel called to move to. But other times it's just through the normal kind of everyday uh, components of your life or of your job. Some of you travel around the country or travel around the world through your job. Maybe you're in the armed forces and you're going to go to places that few other people will ever see. Some of you are in business and travel around the country or travel overseas. God wants to use you wherever it is that you go to be making disciples, to be declaring the gospel, to be living the gospel. And although we're, we are sure that we are going to be sent. We are sure of that. We're gonna be sent. And some of us will go 
internationally. And we are called as a church to not just work in our city and spread the gospel in our city, but also to go to other places outside of Spokane and even outside of the United States. It's one of the reasons why we have ministry that we do in North Sumatra in Indonesia, supporting church planters there. Uh, because the work they're doing and the persecution that they encounter is intense. It's unlike anything that most of us would experience here in this country. And so I love the fact that as a church, we're praying for and supporting and giving financially to church planting and families that are living out that gospel call in Indonesia. But here's the deal, North Church. You have the Holy Spirit. And many of us will not travel to Indonesia or to other places, to other countries, but your call is no less important. That we are called to, to be carriers of this gospel to wherever it is that we go. Ordinary people through word and deed. See, the passage tells us that Philip's ministry was a ministry of word and deed. Word meaning that he proclaimed the message of the gospel. And deed is that it was done through signs and through wonders. I mean, verse 7 tells us the lame were healed and demons were cast out. I mean, that is a spiritual deliverance and a physical one as well. Signs. Now, keep in, keep in mind, signs are not all supernatural. Some of them absolutely are. But some of them are very normal, very practical ways that we can point people to Jesus. You know, a sign basically points you to something greater than itself, like Grand Canyon, that way. Miracles pointed to the gospel. They gave tangible expression to Jesus' physical kingdom. His kingdom was a kingdom of healing, of sight, of abundance. Signs can be natural, but also practical things like helping the poor, helping widows or orphans. Anything that we do that brings hope, that brings joy to other people, points people to Jesus, is a sign. 1 Peter 2.12 tells us this. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. There are, will be those times when you're falsely accused, when maybe you're even persecuted, whether it's in a mild form or in a severe form. And yet the scripture tells us it's that our deeds will point people to Christ and it'll release joy in our community. That's the real mark of an, of an authentic gospel movement is that joy is released in the city. And I, I want that. I long for that in our city and through our church. When our rooted groups go into the community and they serve people struggling with homelessness, there's joy that's released. When those of you who work and serve with Project ID with special needs, joy is released. When you serve food to people in need through Serve Spokane, joy is released. When you pray for someone who's lost hope or they're sick or they're hurting and God meets them in a powerful way, joy is released. And I love that. Evangelist Lewis Palau once said, the church is like manure. Pile it up and it stinks up the neighborhood. 
spread it out, and it enriches the world. I think I'd rather be spread out. We gather to scatter. And when we go in the power of the Spirit outside of our comfort zones and minister to people in word and in deed, joy is released in a person or in a neighborhood or even in a whole city. Joy comes into a person's life when their sins are forgiven and guilt and shame is lifted. Joy is released when churches quit competing against each other in a community and they begin to collaborate and work together, pray together, give together, serve the city together. It's one of the things happening right now here in Spokane through the PNW movement. PNW movement is all about collaborating churches, working with churches of different, uh, different denominations, of all different stripes, coming together to serve the city, to plant vibrant, healthy churches together, to share resources, to share money, to share leadership, to share uh, friendship and trust together, and then to go out and plant churches together. We've already planted as, uh, as a collaborative of 30 different churches in our community. We've already planted two churches in the last year, and we have another three planned for this upcoming year. I love that. See, God is at work because evangelism is when a group of ordinary Christians live intentionally in a city to bring joy to it through word and deed. Now, in Acts chapter 8, we see the church obeying Jesus and going into Samaria, finally leaving Jerusalem. Yes, it took these hard uh, situations, this persecution that got them in that position where they're now leaving. Samaria was a nearby place geographically, but it was very far away culturally, racially, and religiously. The Samaritans and Jews had this very long history, to say the least. I mean, there was hatred and mistrust that had been built up for like a thousand years. That's a long time. And there was, there was this tension. And going to Samaria wasn't about carrying the gospel overseas. It was about carrying the gospel over to the other side of the railroad tracks. Being good news to a people group unlike yourselves. Samaria for us might be like making friends, friends with somebody that's different than you. Maybe someone of a different color or befriending one of the thousands of refugees that God has brought into our city. I mean, did you know that there's like over 10,000 refugees? hardworking friends, people from other countries that suffered persecution, hardship, waiting for years in a refugee camp in order to move to Spokane, Washington. World Relief does an amazing job helping resettle these friends. And going uh, into our Samaria for some of us may be helping World Relief to help that community of refugees that live right here in our city. It's any population, any person that's different than you. When God bridges the gap and reconciles races, there's a joy that's released. So here's this Jew, Philip, ordinary guy. First going to a group of people only 30 miles away in Samaria, and they're different than him. They believed, they thought, they even looked a little bit different than him. And yet the gospel 
impacts this community in Samaria and joy is released. And we see a unity that starts to be created where years of hurt and mistrust begin to break down. A unity that we long for right now in our own country. I mean, we need God. The racial injustice around us is not just some political issue. It is a gospel issue. Racism grieves the heart of God. And part of what Jesus came to do, part of his mission on this earth was to break down this wall of hostility between people, groups, and races. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says it this way. It says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. What politics is unable to do, the gospel can do. In Christ, we are called to be one. Can I ask you, North Church, do you want to be a part of that? I want this. I mean, where each of us are unafraid to call it like it is, that racism is real and we need to be a part of the solution. And that means starting with ourselves, repenting of any attitudes or behaviors, even our own apathy or silence that has unintentionally allowed racism to remain. Maybe actively to make friends with people that look different or act different or live different. Maybe it's educating, reading some books, um, kind of learning. It's part of the process of it. Two books that I've read that have helped me a lot is one of them is called White Awake. And another one is called Divided by Faith. And I encourage you to get one of those and begin to read it. Just get some, some learning into your heart. That's one of the things I'm doing. I'm repenting and I'm learning and I'm growing. And I want to call you to do the same. I mean, right now, the conversation or the big conversation is about our African-American brothers and sisters. And we need to keep that front and center. But racism extends to all people of every color. The final verse I want to read is in verse, or is verse 25. It says, now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. This is so cool because what you see now is this gospel, this movement of God going outside the walls of Jerusalem, now into Judea and into Samaria. It's about getting outside of our comfort zones making new friendships with people that are unlike us, people that are different. It's about bringing joy to a world that is thirsty for hope. And it's about declaring in word and in deed what the gospel is all about. And sometimes it's gonna be miraculous and supernatural as we step into those places of faith. And other times it'll just be God using us in very practical ways to meet needs in our community. They're filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with joy. How about you and how about me? Where's your Samaria? Who is your Samaria? Samaria isn't about taking a plane to some distant place. Samaria is about asking God for the person or the people who are nearby but are different than you. 
I've been praying for that in my own life as I'm walking a lot more these days. You probably can relate to that. I've been walking around my neighborhood, and as I've been walking, I've been praying and asking God uh, to, to help me reach some of my neighbors. And one of the, one of the people uh, that is very different from me, well, maybe not all that different. He's an older guy. I'm kind of old. But this guy's like 80 years old, and he struggles with some dementia, and he has this little dog named Puppy, and he walks around our neighborhood all the time, multiple times a day. And so I'll be out walking and I'll see him. His name's Henry. And I'll say, hey, Henry, how you doing? How's puppy? And he'll say, oh, we're doing great. Who are you? Do you live around here? And I'll tell him, yeah, my name is Mike and I live right over here. And we'll have a conversation and then I'll see him the next day. And when I see him the next day, he'll ask me the same thing. Oh, who are you? And do you live around here? And so I'll tell him my name again. And, and I'll tell him where I live. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, the movie 50 First Dates. Me and Henry, we're building this relationship, but it's new every single day I see him. And yet, it's such a joy. God has put such a great love in my heart for this man. And I'm learning uh, to not just love him, but I'm learning to relate. And I'm, and I'm seeing some of myself in him. And I'm learning. And that's one of the things that happen as we reach into other people's lives that are unlike us or that just feel different or uncomfortable is that it's not just a ministry you do for them. It's something they're doing for you too, that we grow and we learn. And I'm convinced that God has a Samaria for each of us, but it won't just come to you. You've got to go to it or go to him or go to her. Samaria means getting out of our comfort zone and being intentional with our faith in word and in deed, bringing joy to other people. So I wanna just close us in a prayer this morning and ask that you would pray with me. Pray that God will help you. And I'm gonna pray that God will help me to go outside of just those normal rhythms and routines of, the nor- of, of people that maybe think like you, act like you, look like you, And to say, God, who is that person or that people group that's on your heart that you want to place on my heart? Who is it that I can be sent to? Who is it that I can learn from them, but I can also serve them? Who is it that I can befriend? Who is it that you would use me to go outside my Jerusalem into a place of Samaria, a place that's different? Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you left heaven and you came to earth and you came to someone like me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you, God, for dying on the cross for me and bridging the gap of hostility that existed from me to you. Thank you, God. Now, would you Work in each one of us. Work in me, God. Help me see where you're at work in someone else, another, somebody, uh, an individual or a group of people that are different than me, that you want me to go and serve. You want me to befriend. You want me to learn from. And so, Lord, I'm open and I'm listening and I'm asking God that you will show me that in word and in deed, I can minister the good news of the gospel and that joy would be released. Lord, show me my part 
in being a reconciler in this world today. With all of the strife and all of the hurt and all of the pain that exists, God, I pray, Lord, will you show me how I can be a unifier, that in the midst of diversity, that I can celebrate that and that I can be a part of a solution. Educate my heart. Lord, I turn to you and ask, uproot in me any amount of prejudice or racism that may exist, even that's hidden, and give me a boldness, a love and a respect for people, but a boldness. Lord, to see you work in a great way in our country, in our city, and in my heart, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I want to encourage us to worship God in this next song as we worship together. Jesus Christ. 
Father, I ask for healing. I ask for your hand over everything that's going on, Lord, because we know that you are in control. You are living hope, Lord, and we thank you. We say these things in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us here today. We hope God spoke to you through the time of worship and the message. Next week, we'll see you here again at 9 or 11 o'clock.